Good morning, church. One of these days, I'm going to figure technology out. It probably will be the day God calls me home. <laughs> it's good to be before you this morning in pastor's absence. He has asked me if I would continue in this series that he is doing about the last words from the cross. This morning, we're going to be looking at a passage from Matthew 27, if you want to turn there. But before we read that, let's review just for a moment what we have looked at over the past several weeks. He started the first week, and that word was forgiveness. And he used the passage from Luke 23, where Jesus hanging from the cross, looks at those people that have gathered to watch this crucifixion, and he says to them, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The next week, we looked at the word salvation. Again, from the book of Luke, he chose this passage where the thieves hanging with Jesus had interacted with him, and one thief was repentant. And that thief said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. That's how quickly that man received his salvation. And we can receive salvation just as quickly when we are repentant. Then last week, Pastor looked at the word anguish. Again, as he hung on that cross, he looked down and he saw his mother and he saw his beloved disciple, John. And he said in John 19 to his mother, he said, Woman, here is your son. And to John, he said, Here is your mother, And scripture says that John took care of Mary for the rest of her life. This morning, our word is forsaken. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew 27. We're going to read verses 45 and 46. And before we read this, I just want you to know that Aramaic is not a word that I, uh, or a, a language that I usually speak. I may slaughter it, but you'll understand. Matthew 27, 45 says, From the sixth hour, which would have been noon, until the ninth hour, which would have been three o'clock in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus on the cross was a forsaken man. What does it mean to be forsaken? Well, the dictionary says that it means to abandon to let go, to desert, to leave. What an awful feeling it is to feel forsaken. I think all of us have felt that way at one time or another, but none of us have felt it 
as Jesus did that day on the cross. When you're forsaken, you feel like you are completely on your own. You feel like there is no one or no thing that can help you. It's a feeling of anguish. Throughout the Bible, we see a lot of stories, read a lot of stories about people who experienced a forsaken feeling, people who felt anguish. I think of Joseph, who his own brothers sold him into slavery. I'm sure that Joseph felt like he had been forsaken by his family. Or we think about God's children when they were in bondage and how they called out to God time and time again for God to deliver them. And finally God came through and he sent Moses to lead them out and they hadn't gone far and suddenly they could go no farther because they were trapped by the Red Sea in front of them and Pharaoh's army behind them. They had nowhere to go. They felt forsaken. I think Daniel, when he was thrown into the lion's den, probably felt a little anguish. I know I would have. We can think about David when he was delivered from an ill, mentally ill King Saul. Or we can think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into a fiery furnace. All of these individuals, in every one of these instances, they felt like there was no one to save them. They felt like even their God had forsaken them. But in every one of those instances, God came to their rescue. God was there for them. But in this instance, as Jesus hung on that cross, he utters words of extreme anguish. They weren't words that he barely croaked out. Now remember, he had been hanging on this cross for several hours by this time. His throat was probably very dry and parched, and yet... When he said these words, they didn't come from a a crackly throat. He didn't say them in an indoor voice. Scripture says that very loudly he summoned the energy to say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this time, there was only silence from heaven. There was no deliverance from affliction like Joseph had experienced. There was no deliverance from bondage like the Hebrew children had experienced. There was no wind that parted the sea. There was no miracle like had saved those three men who came out of that fire not even smelling or being singed at all, God's only son, God's beloved son, hung on that cross in deep, deep anguish, so forsaken, and he wondered where was his God. In this passage, we get a glimpse of Jesus' humanity when he cries out, Why? Why? 
he knew what was going on. He knew what the plan was. He knew the how and the why. And yet in this instance, his divinity was replaced by his humanity. And he was hurting. He was alone. Crucifixion is one of the most painful forms of execution that there is. Our word excruciating comes from the same word. And as Jesus hung there, suspended between heaven and earth, he cries out in anguish to the only one that he knows who can help. And yet, at this point, he hasn't. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In other words, he was saying, Where are you at, Daddy? I need you. Come quickly. You know, when we question God with things like that, when we say, why God? In essence, we are acknowledging that God is in control. We believe that he can do something about our situation. Last Christmas... I was having a lot of trouble at work with our credit card company. And I had made numerous phone calls to them. And finally, one night I was on the phone with them. And I wasn't getting anywhere. Or at least I wasn't getting where I thought I should talking to this person. And so finally I said, put your supervisor on the phone. I probably didn't say it that nicely, to be honest. But... Put your supervisor on the phone. Well, why did I do that? Because I wanted to talk to somebody that I thought could correct the problem that we were experiencing. I wanted to talk to somebody with some authority. And in Jesus' humanity, here in this passage, he was crying out to the one that he knew had the answers the one that he knew had full authority. My God, my God. Oh, in his divinity, he knew the plan. And yet in his humanity, he was all alone. He knew how much it hurt. These words on the cross are important words. Jesus was no ordinary man. He was the son of God. And in Hebrews 7.26, it tells us he is the only one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. You know, just hours before this, he had stood in front of Pontius Pilate And Pontius Pilate had listened to all that they had to say against Jesus. And in the end, he said, I find nothing wrong with him. I find him faultless. God himself at one time had had called down from heaven and said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And yet it was this very same one, this one who knew no sin, who pleased God his Father, this one who was guiltless before men, this one who had lived a sinless life, this is the one that is now 
hanging on this cross. And so the words that he spoke were very important words. Arthur Pink puts it this way. He who hung there on the accursed tree had been from all eternity the object of the Father's love. The Father's presence had been his home, the Father's bosom his dwelling place, the Father's glory he had shared before even the world was. During the 33 years the Son had been on earth, he enjoyed unbroken communion with the Father. Never a thought that was out of harmony with the Father's mind. Never a desire but what originated in the Father's will. Never a moment spent out of his conscience, conscious presence. What then must it have been to be forsaken now by God? The hiding of God's face from him was the most bitter ingredient of that cup which the Father had given the Son, the Redeemer, to drink. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Important words. The story is told that the great Martin Luther was studying this very passage It says that he had sat for hours reading these same words over and over, pondering what did they mean. And suddenly he got up and he exclaimed, God forsaken by God, how can that be? Well, that's a very good question. How can that be? God forsaken by God. How how can the Father forsake his son well i can tell you that if the likes of martin luther didn't understand it then it's okay if you and i don't completely understand it also i think but let's look let's dig just a little bit deeper see before the cross jesus the son and god the father had had a perfect relationship They had always had wonderful fellowship together. And even though Jesus was walking on the earth and and God the Father was in heaven, Jesus made sure that his relationship with the Father was always number one, was always the most important. That's a model that he set that we need to follow as well. God must always be number one with us. And yet... Here in these verses is the only time in scripture where Jesus addresses God as my God. Every other time he calls him father. But here he says my God because the father-son relationship had been severed. It was broken And what happened to break that relationship? Sin. Jesus was sinless. We have all kinds of verses that tell us that. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. 
Or we could look at 1 John 3, 5. I like how it reads in the Amplified Bible. It says, You know that he appeared in visible form as a man in order to take away our sins. And in him there is absolutely no sin. For he has neither the sin nature, nor has he committed acts of sin or even acts worthy of of blame. So Jesus was sinless. But when he was crucified, when he was hanging on the tree that day, he took upon himself our sin. Jesus was sentenced for a crime that he hadn't committed, and he went to that cross to declare we were forgiven of our sins and our transgressions. Jesus died so that you and I could live. Praise God. Turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, the second chapter. First Peter, chapter 2. Beginning in verse 22, it says, He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Jesus exchanged his sinless life for our sinful lives. Barclay says, Jesus had taken this life of ours upon himself. He had done our work and faced our temptations and borne our trials. He had suffered all that life could bring. He had known the failure of friends, the hatred of foes, and the malice of enemies. He had known the most searing pain that life could offer. Jesus knew what it was to be forsaken. You know, up to this point in his life, Jesus had had gone through every experience that had been thrown at him. He had experienced everything just like you and I have experienced, except for one thing. He had never known the consequence of sin. And what does sin do? Well, it separates us from God. It's like a barrier is put up, like a a high wall that no matter how hard we try, no matter how high we climb, we can't get over it. We can't get past that barrier. This was the one consequence that Jesus had never encountered. But as he hung on that cross... As he was bearing our sins, during those three hours of blackness, Jesus felt the full weight of the world 
resting on his shoulders. He took on our sin. And when God looked down, when he looked down at his son who had all of those sins that he had taken on, he didn't see his son. He saw the sin. And in that awful moment, the father turned away. Not because he was angry at Jesus. No, he loved Jesus just as much in that moment as he ever had loved him. But he turned away because of the sin, the sin that had sent his own son to the cross. He turned away in sorrow and pain as he saw what my sin, what your sin had caused Christ to go through. And when he did that, Jesus was forsaken. He was completely alone. He was abandoned and deserted. He was in deep anguish. And when Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was really and truly forsaken by God. He experienced in that moment something that he had never before experienced. And God looked and saw our sin. And because of the curse of sin, Jesus felt as though he had been completely forsaken by the Father. So what does that mean for us? What are the implications of these words for us today? Well, I think there's a couple of things that we can take from that. And the first thing is that I think that we need to consider from these words, we need to consider the love that our Savior has for us. 1 John 4.10 says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. If you ever once doubt whether or not God loves you, all you have to do is think back to the cross. Think back to, to Calvary. Remember the moment that Jesus allowed his relationship with the Heavenly Father to be severed, and even though it was temporary, it surely ripped his heart right out. And Jesus willingly went to the cross and went through that because he loves us so much. He loves the Father, and he has great concern for us. Remember John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he sent his Son. So we need to remember and consider the great love that Jesus has for us. But there's something else that we need to remember, and that is that we need to count the cost of our sin. Sin has a price. Sin is, is never free. Somebody has to pay for sin. Now, if you've surrendered your life to God, then you know that Jesus paid the price for your sins on Calvary. 
And in the moment of temptation, when that comes to us, Satan does not want us to remember any of that. Satan doesn't want us to think about the consequences of our sin. He doesn't want, to think, doesn't want us to think about how our sin not only affects us, but it affects others around us because sin never just affects one person. He does not want us to think about what it cost Christ to go to the cross for us. But in our moment of temptation, if we will remember Calvary, if we will remember the cross, then we will be able to say no to that temptation. We will be able to say yes to Jesus because Jesus really does have our best interest in mind. So count the cost of your sin. We can't ever downplay what our salvation cost that day. Without the cross, there would be no forgiveness. Without the cross, there would be no salvation. Without the cross... We would be lost forever, and without the cross, our sin would still be upon us. But because of the cross, because of the love that Jesus has and the sacrifice that he made on our behalf, we don't ever have to experience being forsaken like he was. We don't have to experience that feeling of abandonment. He loves us so much that he paid the price. And because Jesus took that sin upon himself, you and I don't have to experience hell when we die. If we have asked for his forgiveness and accepted that gift, if we have experienced salvation, then we are going to live eternally with him. But we have to ask for that forgiveness. He offers it to us freely, but we have to accept it. We have to say, yes, I want that. Now, just because your great-grandma accepted that free gift doesn't give you a free ride anyplace. Just because you've been baptized and maybe you have a baptismal certificate, that is not a ticket to heaven. We have to accept it. We have to acknowledge that we have sin, and we have to accept that gift of salvation that God gives to us. Then, and only then, can we experience eternal life with him. But if we don't accept that gift of forgiveness, if we don't accept that gift of salvation, then we are going to go to hell in spite of what Jesus did for us on the cross. God does not send anyone to hell. We make that choice. We accept it or we reject it. And if we are living, continuing to live a life of sin, my friends, then we are choosing to go to hell. That's the consequence of sin. And you know, the worst thing about hell, it's not the fire. There's going to be fire, but that's not the worst thing. The darkness, 
that's not the worst thing. And hell is not going to be one big party like some people would lead you to believe. The worst thing about hell is that in hell, there is total, entire separation from God. That is the only way you will experience being forsaken by God is if you make the wrong choice. But here's the good news. The good news is you don't have to go there. And Jesus doesn't want you to go there. And that's why he has made a way for us to spend eternity in heaven. Jesus died a sinner's death and took a sinner's punishment so that guilty sinners like you and I could be eternally forgiven. I'm going to ask the praise team to come as we close this morning. But I want you to think again about these words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, he was forsaken so that we didn't have to be forsaken. He was abandoned so that we didn't have to experience abandonment. He was deserted that you and I would not have to be deserted. He was forgotten so that we would not be forgotten. If you have repented of your sin, if you have accepted that gift, if you have experienced complete forgiveness, then you will experience eternal life. But this morning, if you are here and you have not ever done that, I encourage you, don't leave here today without the assurance that God has truly forgiven you, that he has made you a new person, and that you can leave that old life behind no matter what was in that old life, no matter what your sin was. God loves you, and he wants to give you eternal life. We have salvation today because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we come to you today and we thank you, Father, for what you did for us. Father, sometimes we do not understand that we need help with our sin. And Lord, you provided a way out. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that your love was so deep for us that you were willing to go to the cross, that you were willing to take on our sin, that you were willing to die for us. Father, we look forward to spending eternity with you. But Father, if there is someone here today who does not have that promise, who has never turned their life over to you, never asked for forgiveness of their sins, we ask that today would be the day that they would receive their salvation, that they would know that they don't have to continue to live like that, but that you welcome them with open arms because of your great love. Thank you, Father. We ask in your name. Amen.